Welcome back to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast. Uh, but before we get straight um, in today's show, I just want to shout out to the studios that we are in at the moment, Campfire Studios, based in central part of Auckland. And it's a studio that provides the facilities, a community, and not just a place to, where your voice can be heard, but trying to help the community by bringing us together, by launching us into the next area of producing our content, content creation, and everything else. So if you're in the central part of Auckland or anywhere in Auckland and looking for a studio facility, Campfire Studios is the place to be. But to my guest today, Dom Harvey, to any Kiwi person, almost no introduction needed, but to anyone else out there that's uh, listening or watching at the moment, broadcast game for over 20 years, just recently retired, um, pretty much find yourself in the sport of running. Uh, I, as a guy my size, I ask why and the logic <laughs> behind that. Also, uh, best-selling author with three different books, um, some curveballs in life and something that resonates with myself, finding a, a tumor that's literally changed your, your life, your projection, um, something I want to get into a little bit later, your uh, parenthood way as well, um, just recently in the last few years and brought out to where you are today. Uh, I think when I look at it, a bit of a different person. But uh, Dom, welcome to the show. Hey, Lawrence, thanks. It's um, great to finally meet you in person. I've been following you online, and um, um, I, I was quite surprised when you asked me to come on your podcast because I was like, um, a lot of your podcasts are like you giving property tips yep. and things. I thought, oh, shit, he's going to pick my brains about all my uh, wonderful investments. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's great to be here. I've um, I've made a commitment this year to um, go on. Like, If anyone asks me to go on a podcast, I'll, I'll go on it because I'm in the same game, and I know it's a, it's a hard out there, yeah, and um, anyone that's um, doing that content creation, it's um, I respect it, yeah, totally. Uh, you, you are true. The last sort of six or nine months, I've been really focusing the properties game to try and help um, New Zealanders and Kiwis get into that space, right? You either love it or hate it, unfortunately, in the New Zealand market. I also do uh, as free mentorship, so I support people out there mm. and, um, mm. and coach them for free. But then I was like, great, I'm putting myself down that, that rabbit hole so deep, I'm missing out on all these amazing opportunities. And as I said to you off air, this is where this. This episode, as with one I recorded with John Maybury Jr. last week, is launching the the Kiwiana business, strive, mental health sort of side of my brand that I'm trying to focus on the next um, six to nine months. But we want to go back a little bit, Dom. It's yeah. just a bit of your a bit of your backstory to anyone, like I said, that's listening that not might not necessarily have grown up in New Zealand like myself or uh, is listening from overseas. A bit of your backstory and getting yourself into radio. If you just take our listeners a little bit through that, okay. Well, I I, I decided I wanted to um, be a radio broadcaster, in, in particular an on-air like DJ announcer, mm-hmm. call it whatever you want. When I was about, um, I suppose, twelve or thirteen years old, and we had like a school field trip to the radio station in Palmerston North. Um, and the guy that was on air at the time, he just had like a little pair of shorts on and a, a shirt and was smoking a ciggy in, in the studio and just like cranking some music. And I, it was, um, it sort of blew my mind because up until that point in life, like my perception of um, employment, I suppose, was seeing my dad grumpy every morning, putting a suit on, going to a job he, he fucking hated, yeah. um, then coming home and being being grumpy at the end of the day until yeah. he had like that first beer to sort of calm down. So to to see someone in, um, and this seems absurd now because, mm. um, yeah, everyone's about work-life balance now and, you know, um, but it just seemed like an epiphany to me in a way. And I thought, I want to be that guy. Minus the ciggies. <laughs> Minus the ciggies. Yeah, uh, uh, it's totally. And I think of something else you've mes- me, uh, mentioned on um, one of the shows done previously. You also find yourself not really in a space of any other opportunities, right? You didn't find yourself in sport teams. You didn't f- find yourself being picked in certain areas. So you sort of went and went, hey, this looks like something totally different, something that suits me. And you followed uh, 
that thought pattern from your mind to go, hey, let's give that a go because it's totally different to what I've seen at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, to, you know, to, to their credit, my parents were always incredibly supportive. Mm. Like it's a, uh, I don't know, like we're talking, you know, the 1980s in Palmerston North here, which is like a regional New Zealand, yep. New Zealand town. So for your kid to say, I don't want to go to university or mm. I don't want to get a – do an apprenticeship. I want to be a radio DJ. It's pretty fucking out there. And my yeah. parents were super supportive and they were always like, um, yeah, very encouraging. Like, you know, whatever you do, you can put your mind to. And, um, they, they, um, they, they did right. And I thought, oh, I was complete shit for the first, for the first, well, yeah, I mean, some of my detractors may say for the first 30 years. <laughs> um, but I was terrible at the beginning. So there's this, this job that I aspired for for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and I got it. And then um, you realize you, you suck at it. Yep. And that was devastating. And uh, I knew like where I where I wanted to be, um, and I but I just didn't know how to get there. But eventually it sort of it sort of happened. And I think that's like p- persistence, tenacity, those sort of things. And just going off to what you want, right? And you seem like a person that's, you know, you fire in and you, you, you say what you want to say and you go after it. Um, yeah. And and totally. So you, you fire yourself on yourself uh, into the edge in, what's it, 2001, somewhere around that period? Um, yeah, 2001. Yeah. I, was, I was there in that same job 20 years. Yeah, so 20 years, right? Mm. So that's pretty much, geez, I was thinking about it this morning. A, a generation grew up with yourself, JJ, and, um, and, and the rest of the show, right, mm, at, at yeah. the edge. And myself, I haven't been in New Zealand that long. Um, but so that's when the sense of... I can imagine so many people my, around my age that, and I know this, either love or hate you or love and hate the show because there's been a few moments, right, of, of Dom Harvey, yeah, The Edge, yeah, and yeah. pushing the pushing the limit of what uh, you guys yeah, did yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. But take me through sort of that, 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 that great journey of the unfiltered side of it, um, the freedom you guys had there. Um, but obviously you think back now, I know there's a few times you've spoken about it going, if, I th- if, if you said some of that stuff today – Oh, you'd be cancelled yeah. immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. And um, yeah, I, I suppose it's worth pointing out. Like, um, we, it was a, it, the Edge was a very, very innovative station. Mm. Like even before I started, and JJ yeah. was there a couple of years before before I was. Um, but we were we were encouraged to to like think big and do yeah. big and push boundaries and stuff. And I suppose that was my role to a degree. Like, yeah, it's uh, if you think of a th- three person radio show. Like, um, uh, like a say a TV show, mm-hmm. so, say Friends for example. Yep. You're not going to have three Joey Tribbianis. Yeah. So a radio show is sort of the same. So you need, you know, uh, at the time it was like JJ's the you know the she's she's most in line with the t- the female target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Mike Padu who's like a, a nice yeah. guy, and me who was like the you know there to sort of shock a little bit and <laughs> poke the bear a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I I did it quite well, but it does come at a huge personal yeah. cost because it's like. You know, even though you are sort of playing a role and playing a character, it, it is—it's your own name on it. So yeah. you need to own the things you say. Did you talking about playing the character? Do you feel that you did play a character, or was it cl- at that stage was it close to where you are? Um, I don't know. I think the lines sort of blur after a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely like a character. Like people would meet me at parties and stuff, and they'd be like, you know, I'm actually yeah quite shy and reserved. Like I, I don't need to be. 
like the center of attention mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know, say provocative things. Yeah. You know, so it was definitely more uh, like, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely more not anything, but I, I still, you know, <laughs> uh, you still have to own that. If, um, looks like Dom's having a bit of a dilemma there to figure out where you fit into this. Was it, you know, which, was it you or was it the character? Where'd you come to it? Right? Well, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a very, very interesting question. It's not something I've ever thought about, but I think um, that that job doing a breakfast radio show can become all consuming. So oh, the totally. lines, do sort of do sort of blur in a way, and it. I mean, I, I totally because I, I know again. Um, to anyone that's listening or watching, I, I make sure I stalk my guests. So there's always stuff I'm going back and having a look at. And I know there's something you're talking about it, uh, and it was sort of the effect uh, years and years down the path, which unfortunately was one of the the big sticking parts between yourself and and JJ was the whole work together, live together. And it or it all becomes literally one uh, in, entirety of itself, right? And if it's if it is a persona or everything else, it's always on that almost like hundred miles an hour, right? That mm. you go in and you got to switch it on and push it there. There's never sort of a separation between that sort of spaces as well. Oh, absolutely, and and um, you know, hindsight's a completely wonderful thing. But um, I I, I was going to say I, but I think we w- were both so driven and had this single-minded focus of, of wanting to do the best radio show in New Zealand that there was no shut-off. So there was no, there was no okay, um, we'll get home at 1 p.m. each day mm-hmm. and that's it, no work. Yep. You know, so we'd, we'd find we'd go home, we'd sit in our home office like on a table much like this sitting yep. opposite each other. So you'd end up just sort of talking about work mm. all day yep. with each other. So there was some no switch off, um, which is fine. But then, um, yeah, then, I, yeah, yeah, after a while it's, it's not healthy. I've um, myself and my wife as, as my day job. We we actually both do the same day job, and at a start, at a period, we both worked at Sky TV, um, literally five meters away from each other. I was there for just over a year or so, and we made it work. But afterwards, we made an agreement going: we never work with each other. We never go take <laughs> kind of not because we didn't we weren't um, in each other's other spaces. But that was totally true. We didn't have that separation, um, and it's just like you know. As a couple, as much as you want to be together, you also need the the space, you, right? You, you you do, and also there's no there's no um like how was your day today? Yeah. It's like you fucking know you, <laughs> you were there. Yeah, <laughs> so there's none of that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and just uh, the, the stepping away, you know, and having that breathing space. And people yeah. don't realize in a relationship or even in society, sometimes we just need breathing space or space to do our own things. Right? We're having a, cra- a crappy day or a shitty day. We can go and be shitty and grumpy in the corner, and you sometimes need that without someone around you all the time. Yeah, for sure. Is, um, is your wife New Zealand born, or is she yes, South New, African? Well? New Zealand born. How long have you been here? Uh, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So permanently like, came over in two thousand seven. Yeah, fifteen years. Yeah. That, that accident. Uh, that accent doesn't get any softer, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and if you put me around a few, uh, and if you put me around a few friends, it gets really thick and really fast. Right. Because I'm naturally South Africans are naturally quite fast talking, so mm. I've got to be really conscious, especially on the show, to slow down and. Um, think about my words. Um, so when I'm at home, I just ramble off. Usually she turns around and goes, how do you produce content? You can't even get the words out your mouth. But I have to try when I'm there. And the same with yourself. You've been experienced being on the radio, right? You've got to really control and think about what you're saying before you just go, blah, out there, right? Mm, and, oh, I, I'm, I'm terrible with that. I feel like my, my brain works faster <laughs> than my mouth and I, I stutter and stammer my way through things. It's awful. Um, but I, I can honestly say, just before we move on, I and this this isn't sucking up or anything. This is this is facts. I have never met a South African that I did not like. 
Oh, it's good. Oh, I think they're all fantastic. I've no, I've never been there, so I'm only, <laughs> I'm only talking about experience of you know South, South Africans I've met in New Zealand or other countries I've travelled to. I've never yep. been to South Africa, but I think they're just the, the most wonderful people. And part of me wonders is if um, the South Africans I've met in New Zealand, mm-hmm. if they if they they're all in good moods because they're happy to be here. <laughs> uh, funny enough, we spoke about that on a show that I was um, on just about a month ago about that exact thing about South Africans coming over here and, the, and our culture and the reasons. Um, and we went a little bit down, and I'm happy to ch- chat about it now. You might mm. find it interesting, Dom, in the sense of um, the, they asked me, like, what is the motivation? Because I was very drived in my backstory and stuff like that. And I said, well, in South Africa, you, you have to fight to survive. So you're raised and you either get consumed by society um, or you try and fight, and by consumed by society, you either get taken by drugs, um, or you either get taken by violence. If you're not successful in some form, you just go behind below the bread line, and mm. that's where you stay for your rest of your life. Yeah. So you've got this yeah. massive drive of going 100 miles an hour, trying to just get ahead of normal. And then you jump on this side, and it was funny enough, my biggest thing, I came over here originally when I was 19 and played rugby at Remy Warriors for College Rifles. My first year, and I was just this teenager raging, just wanting to go 100 miles an hour, and you get here, and everyone's like, slow down. <laughs> right? Everyone's just like, slow down, dude. There's no race, right? And, 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 Kiwis are just, and Kiwis are just like, slow down. And it's like, to me, it was this weird thing because at 20 – you know, Kiwis at 30, like, go, okay, cool. We want an F, you know, couple, marriage, start lives there. In 20s, we just really relax. We're in South Africans, we're like 20, want to get married at 21, have kids early. You know, by 30, you, you establish and you make sure you've got everything for your kids. And in New Zealand, you come in, it's just like, slow down. No rush. No, no rush. Plenty of time to go around. So, yeah, so that was um, – was was Do you think that's more like a, a Lawrence personality trait or a South African thing like in general? Do you, you, um, do you think it's – Yeah, I think if you look at um, a lot of South Africans, sometimes we come across as outspoken and arrogant um, just because we're naturally quite loud and we're unfiltered as well oh, in the society we bring in. But a lot of people I know do have a, that sort of – that drive sense – and yeah. then you come here and then, then they do realize, look, yeah, it's amazing here. Love it here. My parents are here as well. Um, and the freedom that you have at the moment, New Zealand does feel a little bit like <laughs> South Africa in the 90s. Let's just say shit's just going on a bit crazy in the last six months all over the news every day at the moment. But um, it's a lot a lot of drive from me, but I think a lot of South Africans do have still a bit of that drive and that motivation when they get out. And then sometimes they can switch it off, but my um, sort of – genetics and why took a while and my curveball and my brain tumor is the sort of thing that sort of said, okay, mm. nah, slow you've down. got to slow down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going to, I'm going to force you to slow down. Right. Yeah. You, and everything you, else. It's funny how you, your body does end up telling you like in some sort of form. Yeah. yeah. I, I had, um, there's the uh, former, uh, uh, Deputy Leader of the National Party, Nikki Kay, who I had mm-hmm. on my podcast a few weeks ago, yeah. um, she ended up with um, tapping out of politics after she got breast cancer. Yeah. And she, I mean, there's no way of directly relating it, but she was working like 100-hour mm. weeks. Um, so, yeah, in some way, a lot, of, a lot of the time, your body just ends up sending you a message, eh? You're not going to slow down? I'll slow you down, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, let's, get in, let's get into your curveball mm. then, right? So you obviously had quite a, quite a large surgery. Um, um, with your benign um, tumor that you found in your stomach and yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Let's, let's have a chat about that and talk me through. I know there was lead up and you weren't feeling it and mm. the, the day that actually happened that they've, the, you're doing a race, right? The Auckland Harbour yeah, the, Marathon. The, yeah, the, the, the Auckland, Auckland Marathon. So I'd, I'd been, um, I'd, I'd recently started running again and uh, I, I, 
I'd just have these episodes where I'd go for a run and if I tried some speed work, like try and run a bit faster mm-hmm. than usual or try and run up a hill at a at a faster than usual pace, I'd end up just being like like on my hands and knees on the grass on the side of the road, like just vomiting and I'd be like grey in the face. And then uh, after like five or ten minutes, I'd sort of come right and I'd, I'd walk home and mm-hmm. I'd still look sick. And JJ, who, who I was married to at the time, she's like, you you need to go to the doctor for this, and I was like, no, no, I'm just I'm just old and unfit. At the time, I was like thirty or something. So it's, I look back now, and I, I was just a dick. Like yeah. it was it was stupid. It was of course I was unwell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she ended up forcing me to go to a cardiologist, and we were sort of through the the starting the testing, and they yeah. they had an idea there might be something wrong, but they couldn't really pinpoint what it was. And then I was in the um the Auckland Marathon, and I was like four k's into it. So a marathon is forty two kilometers. Mm-hmm. So after say thirty kilometers, everyone feels like shit. Yep. If if you if you feel shit at four k's into it, you it's going to be a, a long day. It's a long day, <laughs> long day right? So I was having this feeling like four k's in that I'd had on some of these training runs, and there was um a drink station and a St John's um, ambulance. So I thought, oh, it's going to fuck up my time, but I yep. got to get this checked out. Yep. So I went and pulled over, and I explained to them what had been happening to me, and they did some blood pressure tests, and it was just it was off the off the chart. The number's something over something. I can't remember exactly what, but it was like double what it should have been. So um, they they made me lie down on the ambulance. And be, you know, bear in mind, as I was saying before, you know, after a few minutes, you come mm, right again. Yeah. And then, so I was I was like, oh, I'll just I'll keep running, and mm. then um, I'll come back once I've once I've finished <laughs> the run, I'll come back to hospital. And yeah. they're like, no, 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 you need to lie down. Then they had the sirens on. <laughs> it was a little. It did seem a little unnecessary. Um, so that, that was that was it. And then. Um, yeah, I, I I was taken to hospital and um, so I still had my, my running shirt on and my race number pinned to my shirt. Mm-hmm. And JJ on the same day was doing I think the the ten kilometer event, mm-hmm. so she was still running at that point. So I couldn't get hold of her immediately. And then, you know, finally she um had, was reunited with her phone and we spoke and I just burst into tears and, and that was it. Oh, that was me. I was in hospital for the, like the next month while they were, you know, poking and prodding and doing tests and it was a, a ma- it was a massive massive tumor. It was like mm-hmm. a nine centimeter. Sort of, sort of ball like a, yeah. like a big grapefruit, um, and I wasn't overly. I had a bit of extra weight than what I had now, I guess. But there was, you know, it was just no a, signs it was of just it. Sort of hidden, yeah. yeah. But they eventually found it. Um, they removed it, and um, that was life changing. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, uh, I realized it, it, had, it had been growing over like a period of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so my health had progressively got worse, and but because it happened so gradually, I didn't really realize it was happening. But little things like. Um, you know, if I was um, driving in traffic and someone pulled in front of me, I'd just be like shaking straight away because mm-hmm. this this tumor was just like flooding my system with adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So something like that would happen. I'd be, I, I, it's amazing. I, I didn't road rage anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so and then as as soon as it was taken out, I became quite chill. Yeah, it was like a completely different person, and running became easier. And yeah, life's been great. Do you think? Do you think it changed where you were before that? Do you think the person that existed before the tumor wasn't Dom? Um, for a time, yeah, I was probably yeah, I was, I was probably angrier or more jumpy, and yeah, just as a result of just having this, yeah, my my system flooded with adrenaline. Yeah. Um, but when it was taken out, I don't I don't know if I changed too much. No, I'm trying to think of the stuff that we did mm-hmm. like on the radio before yeah. before the tumor and after the tumor. I'm it's not, I'm not wor- worried as much about the radio. I'm more oh, worried okay. about you, right? I know yeah. what you do on the radio because I mean the radio is still a persona, right? And you still got to keep that edge and yeah. you're right and all the rest of them. I'm just asking you at home and have you ever thought about? It? I know with my brain tumor and that, I know where I'm today and where I was four years ago are two totally different people. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if 
people have yourself that's gone through it very similar, found it very quickly, had to have it removed, triggering hormone things. Mine triggered all my hormones as well. Um, yeah. Do you think it had a bit of uh, a bit of play of who you were and where you are now? Well, I guess I've, I've never really thought about that, but it must have in some way. I mean, I, I'd like to think um, each and every one of us are changing all the time. Mm-hmm. So if someone says to you, oh, you've, you've changed, I'd, I, I'd normally take that as a compliment because I think if you're not changing, then mm-hmm. that's it's not good. Like we should all be changing and evolving all the time. Um, but it's hard to say what part that having that tumour and having that tumour removed played in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because at the moment I totally feel – that you resonating more with the world as looking for the world as a better place and trying to strive it towards a better place, mm. which is something I see from a lot of people that come out of it, myself as well. From that situation, I got humbled down to the ground and now I give away my time for free and helping yourself finding running, but you launching your podcast that's out there at the moment, doing everything else and trying to make the, the world a better place, mm. right? And, and it's funny because I looked at it and went, Looks, it feels very similar to what I what I went through, and it's yeah. I'm just really intrigued. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of parallels. Yeah, I feel um I, I feel really proud about what I'm doing with the podcast, and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know the podcast platform and space allows you to have those conversations, yep. and uh, you know things that you just can't do on the radio. When you do things on the radio, like it's got to go through like a bunch of filters, mm-hmm. like uh you know uh, uh, does it fit our target audience? Yep. Um, you can't have long conversations though either. It's got to be like a five minute yep. chat. So it's um. Like a radio interview is, it's almost like a performance performance mm-hmm. act. So you have a chat with Ed Sheeran. You want to ask a question. He's hopefully got a funny answer. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there's something in there that's going to gonna be a headline yep, yep. that goes viral on TMZ or whatever. Yep. Um, but podcast, it allows you to have these um, more meaningful conversations, and I love that. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with you. Is talk to me about you, the condition, you, mate. You go as deep as you want. You go balls deep if you want. <laughs> Let, let's go about your your condition, right? Yeah, uh, from the tumor. So I know there's a name to it. That after you had your tumor removed, it pretty much almost prevented you from becoming a father. Yeah, Is that I, the case? I, I did. I did completely. Yeah. So I, 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 uh, I can't tell you. I should have this committed to memory. I don't know what the name of the tumor is. It's yeah. got. It's like seventeen syllables long. <laughs> um, <laughs> mine was the same. That's why it's just called yeah. brain tumor. You know, but you have some people that are that have like medical conditions and yeah. they're completely in touch with what they had. And I, I'm like, I don't know. It's yeah. a, it was a bloody. I, I agree with that yeah. one. Um, but the um, it, it left me with a, um, a condition called retrograde ejacular. Mm. I can remember that. Um, so the, um, it basically means, um, yeah, when I have sex, everything everything functions and feels the same as normal, but just uh, there's no orgasm at the end. Mm-hmm. And the the surgeon that um, took the tumour out, so he, he came in to see me a couple of da- days yep. after the operation while I was recovering. Um, and so bear in mind, he was, he was a very good surgeon mm-hmm. and um, potentially saved my life, um, but he knew nothing about IVF or fertility. Mm-hmm. And he just said to me, he goes, oh, the way technology is at the moment, it's it's easy as you know. You just need to go to a go to a clinic. They'll harvest your sperm and then you know, have, you have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that that started like a ten year, I don't know, IVF fertility journey with mm-hmm. um yeah JJ and myself, and we had round after round after round of of IVF um with with no success. Yeah, and do you think it was all all to play from your side? I know it's something hard that you look back on. Oh, oh well, yeah, one hundred. Well, I mean, there's no way of knowing. Like, mm. like JJ's never been, never been like pregnant before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's no way of knowing. But I'd say so. Like it was, yeah. I, I ended up um, infertile after mm-hmm. this um, this tumor and this this operation. Um, and I still, I think, carry 
quite a big amount of amount of sort of guilt and shame about that. If I'm being honest, yeah. for yourself or for both? Mainly, well, I feel bad. Maybe not so much for my. Maybe more for JJ mm-hmm. I, that, like she. She, like I had to go through fuck all. Like I had a couple mm. of um, operations called testicular biopsies, where yep. it's probably much like getting a vasectomy. They just mm. they cut into your cut into your scrotum and you know remove some tissue and get the sperm out that way. Mm. Um, but she had to inject herself in the stomach for like days and days on end. I think like a month leading up to each uh, round of IVF so, so, to, yep, cool. to like yeah, increase your hormones and produce more eggs or whatever. Um, so she had to go through a lot and. She she didn't even really like she she sort of had no um, maternal instincts like no sort of desire to be to be a mum or have kids of her own so she she did that like out of out of out of love for me really and I you know I feel terrible about that that <laughs> it was my issue but she had to do all the all the work I mean I would if I could but it just wasn't yeah. it wasn't possible so there's yeah yeah huge amount of guilt in, in that and then a, a huge amount of guilt in that probably. Like being <laughs> back to this like pers- persistence and tenacity mm. thing we were talking about before, it was the same sort of thing. It was like we'd have a failed round, then I'd be like, "All right, well, let's yeah, no time like the present. Let's just book in again as soon as we can." Mm-hmm. Um, so there was we were just like constantly on this treadmill, like moving forward, like eye on the prize, eye on the prize. Yeah. And it's only when you give up and then you have time to sort of um, you know reflect and look back. It was um, it was a it was a hell thing to go through. Mm-hmm. I suppose like anyone that goes through it, it's probably a hell thing to go through. But if you end up with um, um, with a with a with a, a, you know a, a baby at the yeah. end or a, you know you're like okay well it was it was, all, was it worth it yes it was yeah. but when you go through all this and the, the amount of time and money and pain and stress that we went through and then at the end it was fruitless yeah um, yeah yeah it, can, okay. it eats me up yeah it is I will be hard for any couple any mm. um, person to go through that and I can imagine with yourself right and um, you seeing that she's willing to go through all that for. You know, you said it wasn't maternal, and, um, and I'm going to say a bit of a comment now. They, they will love me or hate me, and people listening might do the same. But, but for your almost for your selfishness, right? You 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 wanted this for your selfishness to be a father, and mm. um, and you pushed, unfortunately, all the the hardship on her, and she she gave it, you know, gave it, did it the best, and it didn't happen. Um, and a and a real real crazy question, right? Real hard one. Do, do you think do you think you deserve that? Does, how do you mean to it? Do you think you deserved that, that part of your – what happened there was what – there's weird people out there who say they're going, that's what you you get. You know, you, know, you weren't going to ever be a father. This was your path. This was your life. Do you think that was the path to take you through to where you are today? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I, I've got more, uh, like, philosophical and, uh, you know, in my older age. And you realise that everything happens for a mm-hmm. reason and ev- everything's taking you yep. taking you somewhere. So I've become more ph- philosophical about that. But it's – um. It's still one of those things. It's like, I mean, I can't complain about it or grizzle mm-hmm. about it because life is still amazing. And it's like, um, yeah, you know, if I'm on a plane and someone's dealing with a screaming baby yeah. or, you know, I'm in the supermarket and some kid's like having a like a full-on tantrum on the floor because they're not allowed a kinder surprise, I think, thank fuck, that's not me. <laughs> um, but then there's other other aspects of your life that you realise you, that you saw playing out a certain way and they're not going to play out that way anymore. Yeah. Like, um, you know, having kids and watching them grow up and all the trials and tribulations that come with that. And then maybe one day becoming a grandparent. Mm. So it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's just the way I suppose you saw your life. You suddenly have to pivot and realize it's not going to, it's not going to look like that anymore. Yeah. I, I totally resonate with that. Like I said, with my wine and store with, have you with, got kids? Yeah. I got, um, I've got um, two young kids or not yeah. young. My daughter's just turned 14. My boy turns 11 next week, but 
due to my side effects, I can't have kids. If I wanted to, I can't have kids from this point forward. Mm. So you want to hear something really, really strange and weird? Yeah, you know, a bit of a twisted way. So South African, drive, young, drive to have young family, get started and get going with life, right? Mm. So I had a young, I married when I was 21, kids, uh, both my kids in my early 20s. In the New Zealand way, it would have been, you know, married late in my tw- late in my 20s, yeah, yeah. waited till my 30s to have kids. If I waited to that stage, I wouldn't have had kids. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able yeah. to have kids because they found that my brain tumor had been growing for at least 10 years, mm. what, the, uh, what the expectation was, and uh, um, related to sports injuries, and they couldn't pinpoint exactly, but uh, I, I believe it to my, rap- my rapid career and multiple concussions on concussions and other injuries and Likely foreseen uh, CTE diagnosis by the time I'm uh, by the time I'm dying in my sixties, seventies, or eighties, right? Because unfortunately, CTE is not fun for anyone um, out there. But yes, yeah, so, so, so what's what's CTE? So CTE is another medical condition that a uh, very long term. Anyone that's out there listening, watching, please drop it below. I can never pronounce it, but it's pretty much what they've <laughs> defined in the NFL from the continuous head knocking. Okay, so a lot of what you see the guys now with the the Alzheimer's and uh, um. Cole ha- isn't Cole Hammond oh, soon? Hammond. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. believe he has, but the, he's, got, he's got dementia. Yeah, so that is that, that all leads in. That's all from CTE. So like the dementia, suicide, the aggression, all of that's from the continuous head knocking over the sports careers. Um, there was a, a a book and a movie done by Will Smith called Con- Concussion that followed the doctor in America that went and um, showed this and diagnosed the CTE and then had to take to the NFL. They never agreed and it exist that it existed and then actually brought it out. I mean, now it's becoming more popular, but you can only diagnose CTE when the person dies, when you actually, unfortunately, mm. open up their brain and see the condition. Okay. Um, but that makes it makes a lot of sense when you look at some of the big impact in sports and you look at the sports stars, guys and girls that go off the radar when their career ends, mm. when they go into um, you know Alzheimer's, depression, suicide. It's crazy in the last sort of 10 years how many sports stars we've lost to suicide. And you go and you look at it and go and don't, can't understand the logic behind mm. it. They've had this career or the rest of it, and then where's it come from it? There's a lot of correlation between that and um, the CTE um, diagnosis. Wow. So do you think you might have it? I think that um, already my memory comes into play quite a bit uh, at the moment. Um, so I definitely think dementia is going to come into play earlier in the sense that as you get older, you know, as you get into your 30s or into your 40s, you can't remember the first 10 years of your life, right? Sort of it catches up to you, right? It comes slowly behind. You can remember like instances when you were six or eight or 10. Yeah, and so yeah. as you pass down, sort of it catches up. And then as you get to a certain age, it comes quicker. Where I find it, and I'm, I'm getting close to 40, so I'm still I'm still – the young in beans into my perspective, i got moments I can't remember, remember in my 20s. Mm. i got trips that I've done with my family five years ago and I've got to go to the wife going, did we do that? Where did we, where did we go? Just like, and I'm like, are you sure? And I have, and I'll just, I'll literally just agreed so that I'm agreeing in, in the conversation with the wife, not disagreeing, right? Yeah. And that's where the thought pattern is that um, the memory. So in my day job, I'm great. I mean, this scene, I'm, I'm also, I'm also great. But there'll be moments that I still can't remember actually happening or going on, and it's just that memory is. I can feel it catching yeah, real yeah. quicker than it should be. So that's where uh, I've already seen my wife going, I'm sure that in my if we plan that, I mean, my mid-60s, dementia's going to be, if I don't get it, I'll be surprised. Was there any oh. exercises you can do, like, to to make the best of a bad situation? 
Yeah, there should be. There, there will be. And, yeah. and and being a guy, am I looking into them? Likely not. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right? You, you wait until okay. it's too, too late. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, both, we both waited till yeah. t- too late, right? Um, so, yes, I need to s- spend more time of it. And, um, and this sort of year was a big realisation where I'm starting to try and be more advanced with my brand and everything else. I'm trying to do more things here, more things mm. there. And then you go, hold on. Did I speak to that person? And it's like I can't. I, I struggle. I've always struggled to remember names, but I really struggle to remember people's mm. names. So it's like even now with us talking, I've had to look down a couple of times to remember that you're Dom Harvey, um, even though you're sitting <laughs> in front of me and we've spoken. Right? Um, that's the sort of stuff that triggers me. Going, there's more coming, right? And it's not going to be great. <laughs> Shit. So yeah. So wow. um, and that's why it's just you know going out there chatting and doing all this sort of stuff, um, but. I want to bring it back because we're talking a bit about me now, and this is about so, Dom, so, right? Yeah, I've realised this is something um, <laughs> as a broadcaster you from do, years right? of radio, and also I, th- I think it's a deflection thing because um, you're more comfortable being the interviewer rather yeah. than the interviewee. Dom, Dom's trying to deflect because I try to go, I try to go deep there about his story, um, and um, no, and, we, no, we're seriously, we can go as deep as you want. No, 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 no. All by all means, it's great. So look here, um, I know running's always been a big part of what you are now and you stand for. And mm-hmm. something that was obviously quite big a good few years ago was raising uh, money for um, uh, oh, yeah. some talk show. Someone came on the talk show that yeah. their child needed a cancer treatment, yes. and again, the, the money's level of that was way out of um, mm-hmm. out of bounds for any normal um, couple. And you made a decision that on air that said, "Hey, I'll run five marathons in five days to help." Uh, fund money for yeah. charity, right? Yeah, that was for, oh. for cancer treatment. Sorry, not for charity. Man, that was one of the yeah one of the one of the coolest things I've ever mm-hmm. um, done in my life. Like, uh, yeah, it was this, this young girl uh, called Kawalani Forbes who mm-hmm. uh, was preschool age and had basically had cancer her entire life. And her, we we met her um, her parents and they were just like they they were like washed out. Mm-hmm. Like they'd remortgaged their house. They'd done charity night fundraisers, yep. like absolutely, that exhausted every financial mm. mean they could. And the only thing left, uh, like the New Zealand health system was basically shrugging their shoulders saying yep. there's nothing more we can we can mm-hmm. do. Um, but they found a treatment in Barcelona in Spain, which was um, going to cost like a quarter of a million dollars. So we, uh, you know, I, I suggest I do this thing, five marathons in five days, which is, um, yeah, marathons 42K, yeah. so it's 210 kilometers. I didn't know if I'd be able to do it or not, but it's it's amazing. Like the mind's a very powerful thing, and if you're running for like a, a higher purpose or something other than yourself, it's amazing yeah. what what you can achieve. Um, but we had no way of knowing like how many of our radio listeners would donate money, mm. or you know, I mean, even if we only raised fifty grand or whatever, yeah. it would have been it would have been nice, yeah. but it, it's not going to get them to Barcelona, is it? Um, and in the end, we yeah we got like just the right amount. It's like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it started really slow. And before the event started, like our promotions team were trying to get businesses on board, mm-hmm. and it was really hard. But then the momentum sort of built as the as the week mm-hmm. of the five marathons in five days carried on, and it was just um, it was amazing. And uh, I'm still Facebook friends with them, and yeah, we still message each other. And um, yeah, that that I mean, it, it saved her life in a way. Like she mm-hmm. still has massive, massive health complications yeah. that are ongoing, and she she will do. And um, you know, no one. I mean, you know, no one knows how long she's she's going to survive or be around for, but she's still here now, and um, that's amazing. It was an incredible thing to be a part of. And I, I'll take my hat off to you, man, just for that idea coming out. I don't know if it was a packaged idea or if you just did it ad lib on the radio to come up with the idea to help raise it, but there's someone around today because of a decision you and a group of people made, mm. and you put yourself out there not knowing you could do it and everything else, and 
massive, massive props to you for that and for the team and for everyone else yeah. and for the community and all of New Zealand that got behind that because we need more of that. Yeah, we, we need we need more of that and a massive shout out to you for oh, thanks, for Lawrence. doing that, man. It, uh, uh, a lot of people. And the worst of all about it is, like I said, is I, I look at back and, and I think it's an inspiration in what you do it. A lot, a lot of Kiwis will grow up with you being on the edge, and I know you you might, I think you've spoken about this before, that some people love you on one side of the coin and hate you on the other side of the coin, but because you're doing something great, they won't they won't flick their coin over, right? And it it's, it's frustrating, right? Persona out there, and it's like we're still trying to help people and make a mm. difference. Forget forget. If I'm an arsehole, we're, we're <laughs> I, helping that I, person, right? We're know. helping that person. I don't know. It's, it's probably worth pointing out, like, that was um, – like, I was never I was never the most talented. I, as I said, when I started in radio, yeah. I, I, I was shit. And mm. I, I mean it. I'm, this isn't false modesty or anything. Yeah. I was really shit, and I was devastated because it's what I wanted to do. So I sort of studied the art of radio, and I realised uh, if you look at all New Zealand's most successful – broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a bit different because I was on music radio. Yeah. All, all New Zealand's most successful broadcasters. There's been a guy called Paul Holmes who's, yes. um, there's Mike Hosking at the mm-hmm. moment and there's Paul Henry. And they all have one thing in common. They're, they're, they're all polarizing. Yeah. You love them or you hate them. Yeah. So I, I, I realized early on, right, if I'm going to be, I don't have the, the natural talent or charisma or charm of other mm-hmm. people. So I, I need to be polarizing. Yeah. Um, I need people to have an opinion on me, whether it's good or bad. And I think I did that quite well. <laughs> um, but you, you, yeah, I mean, you're never going to, sometimes people form an opinion and they're yeah. never going to change it. But yeah. I, I found out after the run thing, it's like, it definitely, you know, it definitely bought you a little bit of um, leeway with yeah. some people. Like, you know, you'd say something dicky on the year after then, but people would be like, oh, but he did do that cancer <laughs> run. <laughs> that's going yeah. to gonna run out after a while, right? Yeah. It's gonna, <laughs> after like, oh, yeah, after, in, about, in about another five years, because uh, you're doing the podcast game right now and you can say what you want to say whichever way you want to go, right? Yeah. You're yeah. going to get to the point where they're going to be like, oh, Jesus, Dom, he's going down that path. He's going to have to do something good, right? And to, yeah. do good for charity, right? So. Yeah, yeah, it's all about, yeah, it's kind of all about what you're doing now. Eh? You can only live on your path glories for so long so uh the podcast where where and what to from from that from this point at the moment obviously uh you've spoken quite a bit about enjoying doing it because you've got the you've got your own control your own audience longer form speak about in depth where you want to go you know what's what's the strive behind that how do you mean what's the strive like where, where do you want to go with it where do you want to go next with it well, I want, I want it to be as big as what it possibly can. I want yeah. it to be like a financially viable, uh, like career or venture mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. I, I, yeah, and I want it to be like a business with some staff and cameras like this. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> there's a camera. There's a camera. Oh, there's camera. <laughs> These angles are going to be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want it to be. I don't really know. I'm on, on like a journey with it, and I don't know where it's going to where it's going to end up. Um, but I, I've just found in life, if you if you if you work hard and you're consistent, then things just sort of happen. I don't know. I've never been like a huge sort of goal setter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, I felt bad saying that too because I feel like I should be. But it's like I've just found if you if you if you do something you love, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And if you work hard, then things just end up automatically happen. Ah, uh, it's awesome, man. But the show is doing amazing. Of. I've had a look at some of the, the short form content you're producing out there and listen to the audio as well. Your studio mm. is close to almost being complete. I yeah. know you're really excited about that um, and, and it's coming along and I know you're really proud about your rankings and everything else and yeah. being top <laughs> out there. Any podcast that look at, don't, don't, don't act or sheepish. Even myself from the beginning part, uh, rankings and reviews was amazing to see that and see all the traction. It is pretty cool. But uh, 
yeah, maybe one day you become the uh, the Joe Rogan of New Zealand and Spotify buys you and pays you whatever. What did Spotify pay? Oh, uh, like a hundred million, million rights. Yeah. And then they were, did you did you see what happened as soon as Spotify hired Joe Rogan? Half the company turned around and said they need to get rid of him because half the company didn't agree with Joe Rogan's political views. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but they um. Yeah, I did see something about that. But he's still he's still on Spotify though. Oh, they're right. Yeah, yeah. The, what the problem was the big the big hedge fund show said, "Hey, he's amazing. You love him or you hate him. He's so massive. We're going to get him on the show. Sign the contract." And then the whole workforce went, "Hold on, we don't we we don't actually like what he stands for." Mm. So yeah, there was a big time where they were looking at almost booting him off, but he was so powerful they couldn't. Yeah, I, I've always found that funny. Eh? It's, this is a thing on radio as well. It's like. If if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Yeah. Like, you can go to another station. Fine. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to listen to Rogan? Don't listen to Rogan. But yeah. why? What? Why are these people like hell bent on like other people not listening? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a funny thing. But um, he he's done particularly well. And I think everyone when you think of podcasts, you think of Joe Rogan, and everyone that starts up an interview style podcast probably has aspirations, whether they say it or not, to be like Joe Rogan. But he's been doing it a long time. Yeah. Long, like over ten years. Yeah. I, he's he's done the work, man. I listened to his first five hundred episodes as my research to start podcasting. <sighs> I went and spent a year and went through five hundred of his episodes. We actually spoke about it last week with the John Mayberry um, interview and how the how laughing and looking back of producing video form of it and looking back at your own career path and how you. Sh- start at day one and how different it is you know mm. a year down and two years and three years and four years down and how we how I joked or I laughed on his very first episode him and Brian Redband sit there on the video and then they add snowflakes and then they add filters <laughs> on I, I shit you not if you go and find the first episode of Joe Rogan's podcast and it's him and Brian Redband going oh my god this is amazing look the snowflakes could come over him and all this and then light and then changing that was the first episode them just check, tweaking all the settings goes oh how good can this be right yeah. um, and then how the last come but yeah he's been in it for in, in yeah. such a long time but he's also his knowledge irrespective of his opinion on things his knowledge is literally ridiculous it's like Jordan Peterson's knowledge and mm. And how he can do an interview as well is just amazing. And some days I don't want to be Joe, but I wish I had his brain to to be able to consume all of that and produce that on the spot where he he talks about in depth in every single different topic that there is. I feel like some of that must have come from, first of all, he must have a very good memory. Um, But a a lot of it's probably just come. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it must have come from just having these uh, amazing in depth conversations with these amazing, knowledgeable people over the years. Yeah, but and he's just retained some of the info. Yeah, but three hours, three hours, three times yeah. a week for like ten years, you, 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 a normal human can't consume that much knowledge, right? And yeah, to keep that's it true. in. That's, that's it's just a weird one with him. But anyway, so um, but he, um, yeah, I mean, everyone talks about the, the Spotify deal and the hundred million or whatever. But it, like, how many years was he doing this with no attention? Yeah, no lights on him. No money coming in, just for the love of podcasting, probably. Oh, I would have been, I think, first three or four years. So if you go back like I did from day one, and he did, he did Joey Diaz like 30 times over and Bird Kreischer and all his comedian friends, and that's how he filled it, right? That's how he filled the episodes till he slowly started getting like people outside of his comedian mm-hmm. circle, right? So he literally did um, 
you know, Joey still comes on now because Joey Diaz is Joey Diaz and he's psycho and crazy and he will say what he wants. I mean, he was talking about smuggling drugs and his nutsack, right? And and Joey's like, don't, don't say it. And he's like, I don't care. I'm going to say it and explain how he got through the airport with uh, with cocaine tied to his nutsack, right? Um, um, but yeah, so for the first couple of years, he just folded 90% of just his friends as they learned and got bigger and he got the random guests and the random guests. And then as it slowly built, he would get bigger names and bigger names. Mm-hmm. And then it just became too weird is today of um i can imagine how if if joe phones you and goes hey you want to be on the show you got to get to wherever he's filming and wherever he's uh based now in 24 hours you're like yep i'm on the first plane i'll get there you won't say no to that man because he will make your career to be on his show oh absolutely yeah. absolutely like when when oprah winfrey was at her peak like yeah. if if she endorsed your product or yep. your book or whatever, you know it's going to go yep. straight to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Yep. And, and stay there for a while. Yeah, it's the same thing with Rogan. He's got such a massive audience. Yeah, totally. But before we um, end off today's episode, um, is there anything, anything else interesting you want to leave our audience with and some insights or something about Dom Harvey, where you are at the moment, or something that's of interest in that they might want to hear from you? <sighs> no, I'm so uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I not not really. I, I feel like you've um, unearthed some good stuff today. You've definitely made me think about some things. Mm-hmm. It's quite. It's quite. Yeah, I suppose because my broadcast history and because I'm new to podcasting. When I when I do a podcast with someone else such as yourself, I, I take away some stuff, and I thought you picked up on some really good stuff. There were some things that you know. I had to think about before answering. I, I think that's a real credit to yourself. Oh, thanks for that. So much uh, for that, Dom. And. Uh, um, it's something I always try and pay attention to to see uh, to see how you react and everything else, mm-hmm. and try to try to push the point uh, to a certain point. And sometimes there's good things. Sometimes, like you said in radio, right? You've got to try and find that nugget or that piece that someone will pick up. And I'm with podcasting. You don't have to make it your your force or your your main focus, but sometimes that's the the really cool piece. And in short form content, you know, in the social media world, that's the sixty second clip that might make it, you know, go viral on TikTok or Instagram and yeah, everything else out yeah. there. There's there these days, but but thanks again, Dom, for for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Um, I know um, you're a bit surprised that I reach out, but I, I loved your story so much, and I hope my audience out there resonates with what you have to say and everything you've done and. Um, but the main thing is, obviously, any New Zealanders will know where to reach out to you, but anyone else that might not know who you are, how can they find you? How can they reach out to you? Wherever you get your podcast from, just search Dom Harvey and you'll find it, or uh, Dom Harvey NZ on Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the light's off. We're gone. <laughs> uh, he's gone back to there. Thanks so much for that, Dom. Um, as always, um, thanks for coming over to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast. As I say, I'm not interested um, to shout out and say, hey, do I like or subscribe if you like the show? I do not care about those things. What I do care about is what I spoke about, Dom, a little bit earlier today about stuff is people out there might need more help. People out there might need us to reach out to say, are you okay? How's things going? And our society needs us to stand together more and more today. So if this episode resonated with you, do one action today for me. Go to someone you care about. Reach out to someone that you thought about or you haven't spoken to a while and it's as easy as saying, how are you doing? Or I'm sorry. Or can we catch up for a cup of coffee? That's all I care about from you guys from today. But at the end, thanks for coming over. Hope you stay beautiful. Hope you stay powerful. Until next time, see ya. But also like and subscribe. (laughs)